What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and and turn to, so here's the thing. I was about to tell you to turn somewhere, but can I be honest with you this morning? I'm at an impasse between two particular scriptures, and I'm wondering if if I might even want to take a vote. I'm be, I'm be straight up. I don't like voting in church. I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. Anyway, but but I might take a vote. It's either Luke chapter 10 or it's 2 Timothy chapter 2. Not quite sure which way to go this morning. We got both. We might have to I like that. We might have to intertwine. My team in the back's not going to like it cuz they only have one in on one of those scriptures on slides. That's okay. We'll figure it out. Why don't we do this? Why don't we go? All right, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. Guys in the back, you don't have to do nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't don't try to scramble and find it. You don't need to. We're going to read it. Luke chapter 10, and I think we probably will make our way to 2 Timothy chapter 2, but I can't can't make any promises. I'm not going to make any promises. What did I say? Yeah, Luke. Okay, Luke chapter 10. We're actually going to, I'm going to attempt to start a, um, a new series, a new, a new focus that I really believe, um, something that God has really been putting on me and my wife's heart, to finish this year strong. How many of you are ready? You don't even care if it's strong. You're just ready to finish this year. <laughs> to finish this year strong. Because here's the thing. It's not how you start something. It's how you finish something. It's how you end a season that greatly determines how you enter the next one. So many people, and I've been guilty of this, we're terrible at ending seasons, especially when it comes to people or relationships, because usually when something that like that ends, you're ready for it to blow up so that you can use that propulsion to go into the next, right? But the reality is, is that how we end one season greatly impacts how we go into the next one. So we're going to finish this year strong. And what does that look like? We'll find out. All I know is that if we can keep God ahead of it, then we'll finish this thing strong. And so, um, and so what we're going to start going into over these next couple of weeks even goes into Christmas, ties in, and, and who knows? It probably will even go into the beginning of 2021 if the Lord doesn't return by uh, midnight on December 31st. And uh, some of you are laughing. No, I'm just laughing. Um, somebody say, on mission. You have to say it like me, though. <laughs> On mission. <laughs> oh, y'all are so nice. I'm like, say, on mission. You're like, on mission. You know, I'm like, that's kind of the same thing. On mission. Okay. It's not, I'm, and my wife says it's a southern thing, but I don't remember anyone else back home that's like on. I don't I have no idea where that came from, but it's there, and it's in the bone, so there's not, not going to go anywhere. On mission. And today, specific, uh, specifically today, uh, missio day. And I'm really smart. I can speak Latin. It means mission of God, and that's what we're going to focus on today because it's so easy for us, especially in the world in which we live right now, 
to live on mission because there are a hundred bajillion missions that people can identify with and partner with and become passionate about. But I'm going to propose something today and over the next course, whatever, however, however many weeks, that there is a mission that we should be partnered with that should supersede anything else in life. It should be the very catalyst for anything else inside of us that is a passion and that is driving us. It shouldn't take a back seat to the things that are passionate in our individual lives. It should be the mission of God, should be the thing that gets out ahead of us and it leads us and it guides us and it pushes us and it directs us and it keeps us on track. <clears throat> this is the point where I wasn't sure about 2 Timothy or Luke 10, but we, we've committed right now. Luke, we're gonna start with Luke 10. So I'm going to go to uh, verse 38. Luke is one of the four Gospels in the beginning of the New Testament. If you've got a Bible, if you don't, make sure you download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. It's free. Uh, it's so cool. A church, a local church actually made it back when apps first came out. Some of y'all remember that? Like, they're like, we are launching not a new app, just apps in general, right? And this one church was like, we just want to do something so that our, our own church can have it. And on the very first day that it launched, hundreds of thousands of people downloaded <laughs> Their, their Bible app, and they were like, oh dear, we've got work to do. But ever since then, literally, there are billions of downloads of the Bible around the world in thousands of languages. It's absolutely incredible. So if you don't have your own, you know, paperback, which everybody should, you should get one. Everybody needs to have one. Um, but still, to have it on your phone where you can just like, whoosh, and you got it, you got the Bible right there, it's with you everywhere you go. Anyway, that's one of my, that's my weekly spiel for the YouVersion Bible app. Um, so we're in the book of Luke, chapter 10. Have you gotten there yet? I've been stalling just to give you time to get there. Starting in verse 38, it says this, and this is, um, this, is, this is a really cool interaction. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their, on their uh, way to Jerusalem, it says they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. I love other translation that says, being blown away by his revelation. <laughs> it says, but Martha was distracted. Somebody say distracted. Y'all gotta remember, we're not a quiet church up in here. Y'all can talk to me. She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, or complained, Lord, how many times have you ever gone to Jesus and complained about somebody else? Because they weren't doing what you thought they should be doing or how you thought they should be doing it? Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits there while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, I mean, I don't know about you. I've, I've said some bold things to the Lord out of selfish motives, but not in the flesh to his face. Jesus, doesn't it bother you what you see her doing? Tell her to stop. Tell her to come help me. She's lazy. She's doing nothing. But Jesus has such a gracious and wise reply for her. He said, my dear Martha, just like that, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. And there is only one thing, can you say one thing? worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it 
and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. On mission, that's what we're getting into today, on mission. My goal for my life is that I can stay focused on what God is doing and stay on mission. My goal for my family is the same thing. My, my goal for this church is that we can stay on track with what God is doing, not be distracted, and stay on mission. Now, I think it's, we got to define that, and we're, we're going to. I'm going to break that down, give a little definition. I hope you're taking notes. A note-taking church is a, is a growing church because you're not just listening to some dude or some lady talk and then going home like nothing ever happened. You're not checking a box here today. You're not doing yourselves any favor religiously just because you're present today. You're gonna do yourself a favor when you lean into what's happening and you take what happens today, whether it was in worship or maybe during the 60 second combo, somebody gave you an encouragement and you're like, wow, I really needed that or something that God speaks during the word and you take that into your Monday through your Saturday and it becomes, it becomes meat for the week. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so don't just watch and listen. I hope on your little notepad app or if you got a journal, if you're writing in your Bible, I hope you're getting at it today. So I, I, what does it mean to be on mission as a Jesus follower? First of all, if, if you're not a Jesus follower, I think it's important to understand that, that the wrestling matches take place within the life of a Jesus follower. Every single day. We, we wrestle, uh, and I, let me personalize it, I wrestle with these conflicting desires to do things that, are, that I want to do, and then it, sometimes it conflicts with the things that God is asking me to do. And so, man, it, wouldn't it be fantastic if once you said yes to Jesus, like not only was your, was your spirit transformed, but just everything about you was just perfectly, magically, pixie dust transformed. And you never sinned, you never were a bad example, you never, did any, never said anything wrong on social media, you never did, took anything out of context to make a point and blow somebody up. Wouldn't it be great? if that's what it meant the moment that we gave our life to Jesus. But unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case. Unfortunately, we seem to have this journey that God has us walking on so that we are being challenged every day to be perfected every day more into the image of Christ. And probably not you, but me, some days are more successful than others. Not you. If you're watching online, not you, but I'm just being honest. I'm trying to be one of them transparent preachers that's, you know, not pretending like he's got all this stuff together. No, there is a process where we are learning and being transformed and being saved, not our salvations saved, but our flesh every single day. And it's a process. But to be on mission as a Jesus follower, and honestly, it's a little undaunting to try to, like, boil this down into something, into a statement. Because there's so much in the kingdom of God that God's trying to do. But I feel like we can get a little bit specific today. But to be on mission as a Jesus follower is to love God, to love people. That's a very generic term right there, isn't it? People. It doesn't, it doesn't have a whole lot of room for, well, let me define what people I want to love. Love God, love some, love most. No, just people. Love people. And daily and use what's in your hand where God has placed you as an instrument of God's love and grace. Let's get a little bit more specific because we, we have, in the Christian world, we have this, this terrible history of putting God's name on our own missions instead of seeking out and submitting to the actual mission of God. I mean, it's, it's crazy unfortunate, and that's, a very, that's an understatement. 
You know, let's, let's go back and have the Crusades. Good Lord. We were way off. And I don't even want to say we because I would not have been lining up with that mess. But it was done in the name of God. It was done in the name of Jesus. Even within our country's history, there have been so many things that have been done, whether it was even justifying slavery because somebody found an individual scripture and used it to justify their own mission instead of submitting their hearts to the actual mission of God and heart for all people. So, so no, um, it, it's no light matter to define God's mission, but that's today specifically, if you're taking notes on the message, the title for today, it's that Missio Dei, it's the mission of God. Because if we're going to talk about being on mission, we better know what mission that God wants us to be on. Amen. Amen. So, so I have, I hope God's given me some grace for this, but I have boiled down the mission of God into three particular bullet points. And I'm telling you, these bullet points themselves are, are kind of infinite, but we're just going to go with it and see what God does. Is that okay? So here's the first one. Here's the first part of the Missio Dei, the mission of God, is restoring intimate relationship. Restoring intimate relationship with who? With God to all humanity. That sounds big. It is. Here's the next one. Establishing heaven on earth. So the mission of God, restoring intimate relationship, establishing heaven on earth, making disciples. So if we were to kind of look at everything God's trying to do, I, I hope that, that we're capturing the majority of it as best as we possibly can in this context. But we're understanding that God is on a mission to restore intimate relationship with all humanity. He's on a mission to establish what is already existing in heaven here on earth. And his mission is to make disciples of all nations. So let's, real quick, let's talk about restoring intimate relationship. God desires intimacy with you and with everyone else. And the reality is, is that some of you can't even hear that word intimacy without thinking about sexual intimacy. And that's obviously, that's something that God needs to work in your heart. We're in a very sexually broken world right now. But intimacy does not equal sexuality. That's another message for another time, but you need to understand this at a foundational level. Intimacy is that deep, trusted, personal relationship that goes beyond surface-level platitudes. God created humanity in his image for relationship. That was the whole purpose, not because God was bored, but because he desired relationship and he wanted relationship with a people created in his image who would choose to have that relationship back with him. How many of y'all have that friend that you chased for years to be their friend, but they never gave you the time of day in a real friendship? I know it's true because I've done that too. That's kind of a normal human thing. You're like, oh, I just really like this person, or, or maybe, I don't know, I just want them to like me, and so I'm pursuing this friendship and got a whole lot of nothing coming back. Well, that's, that's kind of been God's experience with most of humanity. But I don't know about you, I'm so glad that God never gave up on that. He didn't give up on me. He didn't give up on the relationship that he desired with me. He's not giving up on you. He's not giving up on our world. He is nonstop on mission, and he's looking for a church and people who will join him on this mission. This intimate relationship thing, it, it, it starts through salvation. It grows in redemption. It deepens in sanctification. I know I'm dropping some words here that you can go and study and look up later, but it multiplies through devotion. Just like any relationship will grow, it, it multiplies the more that you devote yourself to a relationship. That's why in the morning, if you've ever heard the term, like, make sure you get up and you have your devotions in the morning. Well, what does that even mean? Well, it just means you're taking time, the first part of your day, to devote to having moments with Jesus. 
Whether it's listening to worship music and just sitting there, whether it's having some Bible reading time, whether it's prayer, just have that devotion time because that's where your relationship and the intimacy with God will begin to multiply. Establish heaven on earth. Now, this part of God's mission um, only happens really in part until Christ returns. Because the Bible even teaches us, even in the book of Revelation, that eventually the, the old heavens and the old earth will pass away, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We're like, well, then what's the purpose of trying to establish heaven on earth now if it's just eventually going to be done away with? Because what God is trying to do through establishing the realities of heaven here on earth is to show the people who he does not yet have relationship with what is possible if they walk into a relationship with him. So maybe that's even a sub-point under the first one. I don't know, but I have it as a second bullet point. We're going to stick with it. Matthew 6.10, when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, they were like, Jesus, hey, um, we've watched you do it. We've heard uh, there's other religious people. They pray a certain way. Maybe can you teach us how to pray? And one of the things that he says when he's doing the Lord's Prayer, he says, may your king, he's talking to the Father. He says, this is how you should pray. Make sure you say, may your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We just sang about this. It was so powerful. That's what we want to see happen. We want to see what's a reality, not what could happen in heaven, but what is already a reality in heaven become a reality here on earth. See, in heaven, there is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no brokenness. There is no abandoning. There is no, there is no abuse. And to be able to see those realities come alive here on earth is what we are hoping for, praying for, and what we should be seeking God for. And I don't want to get ahead of myself at the end of this message, but we have allowed ourselves to become so stinking distracted with everything else that is going on in our world right now. We are more consumed with being right than we are consumed with being right with God. It's dividing churches, it's dividing people, it's dividing families, and then we come and we try to put on our face so that we can worship Jesus in church and pretend like everything's okay. And we go home and we blow somebody else up on Facebook. And we go home and we drop bombs on Twitter because we don't have to look somebody in the eye. I can see their icon, but I don't actually have to address them. I can just drop something on them, prove that I'm right, they're wrong, and walk away and feel better about myself. All right, I'm going to stop on that. Don't say keep coming because it will, and it just, <laughs> it will. And, and, and making disciples. This is a fun one for me, like as a pastor, because here's the thing. We're making disciples, uh, which is a, a disciple for me, I, is to, to simplify, is a follower of Jesus. It's someone who is following Jesus. That, there's a reason why they called those initial 12 people that Jesus called out his disciples, because they followed him everywhere he went and tried to learn what he did so they could learn how to do it. A disciple of Jesus, that word uh, disciple is this combination of two particular words that got put together. A, it's discipline and a pupil. There was a student aspect of it. There's life discipline. They, they come together and you become the product of what you follow. Sometimes more successfully than others, but it's okay. So becoming a disciple is the whole process from conversion to maturity. And I know that word maturity is a very broad term, and that's okay. But it's from conversion to maturity. I love, man, I love it so much when people come up, they're like, Pastor, this is my, um, this is my voice. Okay, never mind. God didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. I'm like, man, aren't you smart? 
Aren't you so educated in the word of God? That's right. God didn't call. Listen, how do you get a disciple if you don't start with a convert? Now, of course, we don't stop there. That would be ridiculous. That'd be like running a marathon. The gun goes off. You cross the starting line. You're like, whoo, good thing I trained for that. Man, I feel good. What was my time? Like half a second. Crushed it. Ran a marathon. No, no, you started. You started. And so we, so we don't want to just get people to the starting line and shoot the gun, and they take one step, and they're like, okay, we're good. I'm good. I don't have to do nothing else. I got my fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. Now I can go back and do what I was doing. Thank you for your time. No, our job is to make sure that we are helping people continue to take next steps into maturity as Jesus followers and having the grace for them when they're not at the pace that we want them to be at. We like that first part, right? Yeah, let's help people grow. But what we tend to not like is the part where we need to have grace for people that aren't developing as fast as we think they should. Because we kind of have a hard time remembering how slow we were when we were developing. So we project this false sense of expectation on other people. And what, we un- what the church ends up accidentally doing is we place more of a judgmental burden on people instead of, a, instead of the love and grace to pull them along. And instead of the moments when, when they trip and fall, when we should be getting down on our knee and helping them back up, we have this horrible tendency in the, in, the, in the church world to kick those who are down. I mean, honestly, for me personally, in the last months, there, there's been notable moments in the American church that, that frustrate the, the mess out of me. And people who have fallen, people who have made mistakes, and, and I'm, not, I'm never going to be surprised when those who are outside the church world react to those things in different ways because they're outside of that context. They're, they're not in the community of faith. They're observing something that, that has been falsely portrayed, so now they even have a weird expectation of what we are supposed to be. And, but it, I tell you what, it surely, it surely doesn't help anything when they see us uh, dropping elbows on our brothers and sisters because they messed up. And this is not a grace that overlooks people's sin. Absolutely not. There will always be consequence for sin. Absolutely. But the first step when somebody falls should be us bending over, not to condemn them, but to help them back up. Because the whole process of what God is on mission for, he doesn't give people one chance to be on, one chance to be on mission with me, and if you mess this up, boom, I'm dropping you. Fireballs from heaven raining down on you. That's not what he's going for. No. I'm, I'm grateful today, and I know you probably are too, that God is a God of second chances and, and third chances and fourth chances. And how many do you need? Five. Okay, I can see that happening. Six, seven chances, eight chances, maybe possible. Ten. Let's skip to ten. Twenty chances. It's inconceivable. Thirty chances. Who needs thirty chances? Forty. Can I get fifty? Fifty. There we go, per day. That's the reality. And if we are going to be on mission, that's an area that should challenge us. The convert is a person who has repented of a former life, changed direction of life and thinking and belief so that they can walk in a new direction. In a new direction. Not plural, not multiple directions, not this is where I feel like, so here's, Here's another thing that we have to work on if we're going to stay on mission. We can't follow the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit doesn't go. I have heard and I have seen 
more blame being given to the Holy Spirit this year than I have seen in my entire life. Blaming the Holy Spirit for how we treat people because we say, well, this is what I believe the Spirit was leading me to do. Well, I have a problem with that because it is, it is the opposite of what God's Word says. And the Spirit of God will never say what the Word of God does not say. And the Word of God will never say or mean something that the Spirit of God does not say. So when we begin to blame God for our own lack of maturity and our own lack of discipline, because I just felt led to say what I said, but what you said is destroying people, so why are you feeling so led to say something that goes against the heart of God for people? We've got to challenge ourselves. We've got to get back on mission. Combo Church is going to exist for the mission of God, not for anything else. Mission is what gives purpose to your existence. There's a reason why there are so many empty, hurting people because they don't realize that that the mission that they are connected to, or maybe it's they don't think they have any mission, but it's not until you know what you were created for that you can have purpose to exist. We've got to connect people back to this, this sense of purpose for why I exist. That's one, of the, that's one of the number one questions that pop up on Google every single year. What are the top questions that get asked of Google? One of the top ones every single year is, why am I here? Why am I here? And I'm not going to get ahead of myself because that's actually next week, and I'm really excited about that. So here are some crucial things for us to understand when it comes to our mission, when it comes to being on mission. I, I really believe that there are only three positions that you can be in when it comes to God's mission. Are you ready for these? Are you writing these down? Making mental notes, physical notes, digital notes? Okay, here's the first one. Um, There is the target of the mission. There is the partner of the mission. And there is the enemy of the mission. And it's, I, I tried to find a couple of neutral ones in there, but the more I kept going down that path, they all kept either choosing to partner with, to be a target with, or to be an enemy of. So I was like, okay, God, we'll go with that. So the target, the target of the mission is the lost and those far from God. You, you need to know that today. Like, if that's you now or if that was you, like, that is the, the bullseye of the target of God's mission. So, but check this out. Those, those who blatantly oppose the mission of God are not the enemy of God. They're actually the target. The ones who don't believe, the ones who reject, the ones who mock, the ones who are against, the, the atheists, the agnostic, the other religions, the false teachers, those are not the ones who are the enemies of God's mission. They're actually the bullseye. Church is, the church has got to get this, y'all, I'm telling you. Let me get more specific. Combo Church has got to get this. Because if we don't understand what the target of God's mission is, then we will only propagate another Christian country club in our city where people come together to feel good about themselves, find people that act like them, talk like them, look like them, and make you feel comfortable about who you are and where you are. But by the grace of God, that is not why God sent my family here 3,000 miles away to plant a church to reach people who are far from God. We can find places all over the country that fit that bill. And we can become a part of that and be comfortable and live life and just get through until either God takes us or he comes back. But God says, no, I didn't come and die on the cross so that you could be comfortable. I came and died on the cross for those who are far from me, who are lost and who need salvation, who need healing, who need hope, and they also need people. 
So then there's, there's the target and then there's the partner. So here's the thing. I, I've, I've actually told some people this recently. Um, when, when, you, when you come to Convo Church as a guest, if you are a Jesus follower when you come here, I need you to understand something. And I, just don't get up and leave yet. Our mission is not for you. If you are a Jesus follower, you're no longer the target. You are now a partner. So that's why I said don't get up and leave. That doesn't mean we don't want you here. That doesn't mean we don't need you. We actually need a lot of you. Because I know when church planters first start, they're like, I don't care about anybody but the lost. And then you realize, I need help. (laughs) Who's going to help? Other people that are already Jesus followers. Okay, Jesus, I want all of them. You know, he began to figure it out. The reality is, is that we need people to come to Convo Church who are ready to go. But you got to understand that when you come here and you come with, well, the church that I came from and this is what I'm used to and what I was raised in, all that gets checked at the door. Because if God is calling you to partner with this church, then he's calling you to be a part of this culture. He's calling you to be a part of this mission, the way that we do church. Because God is putting together an army, an army that is going to wreck hell in this city and be passionate about the target, which is the loss. And I'm telling you, the target can be offensive. The target can be hurtful. The target will reject you nine times out of 10, but they did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to us. That doesn't mean that we're going to stay, get off of mission. We're not going to get off target. We want to be partners to the mission of God. So if you, are, if you are a partner, that doesn't mean you're not going to be loved. doesn't mean you're not going to be pastored. doesn't mean you're not going to be cared for, because guess what? If the kingdom of God is all about intimate relationship, then when you sow your life, your resources, your time, your efforts, and your energy into a community that's on mission together, guess what happens? Guess what happens through relationship and community? Those things happen. You're, you get loved. That's why we're like, get yourself in a small group. You need a crew. Because Sunday is fantastic, and maybe we can, at the, at the stage we're at now as a church and the size we are now, maybe, maybe we can kind of get from one side of the room to the other, and we can meet people over here and meet people over there and pray for people here. But as the mission continues, that will not be the case. And, and I promise, I've already, we've, we, we see it all the time, but I, I, my prayer is that none of us get to the point where we say things like, and if you've said this before, I'm not judging you, I'm just bringing it to light so that we can talk about who we are as a church. Well, I just prefer a smaller church. This church has gotten too big for me. It means it's gotten too big for your spirit. You need to enlarge your spirit because when it's about you, then it's about comfort. But when it's about where God has placed me, then I will be stretched. I will allow myself to be stretched. I will allow myself to be pulled out of my comfort zone. I will allow myself to to even be told that I'm wrong from time to time. I will allow myself to be in moments where I even have to face offense because something was said the wrong way or taken the wrong way or somebody looked the wrong way when I looked at them and that to me that meant that they didn't want to see me and and if 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 I wanted a church where they didn't see me, I'd just go back to the one I came from before. And my suggestion is maybe you should. Come on there. Easy podium. Come on now. Why? Because everywhere you go, there you are. And God is trying to get a hold of something inside of you. God is trying to bring change inside of you. God is trying to take you to another level. Why? Because he created you with purpose. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are called. You are anointed. You have something to offer. There is somebody here who needs what only you can give. And if all you ever do is show up and consume oxygen and take a seat and give a little here and do a little there, you're not doing us a disservice. You're doing a disservice to the mission and to the person that God has called you to minister to in this house and to bring into this house. Man, this is dangerous. That was the good one, the partner. But then there's the enemy. I know who the enemy is. It's the devil. Yes. An enemy of God's mission doesn't have to be violently opposed to God's mission. They just have to be someone who's hindering the mission. Nobody who claims to be a Jesus follower ever thinks that they're an enemy of God's mission. But honestly, I think some of the greatest people enemies of God's mission are those who claim to be a part of it, but they don't participate within it. <clears throat> the greatest enemy of God's mission are those who are called to participate, but they live like Martha. Busy, distracted. Now, some, some of the people in that house that day would have said, no, what Martha's doing is good because I'm hungry and we're about to eat and she's the one making it. <laughs> like, let's not, let's not put down the woman or anybody who's making the food for us because somebody's got to eat at some point. Hospitality team's like, yay, no. <laughs> Amen. But clearly, as Jesus frequently did, Jesus was trying to, not deal at the surface of what was happening. Jesus was trying to get to the heart. Jesus is always digging deeper beyond what we are saying, what we're thinking, and what we're doing. Because what can look fantastic and innocent at a surface level is complete brokenness and distraction at the heart level. You can't live distracted and live on, on God's mission. Can't do it. And so that's why the daily challenge for every single one of us, the challenge for me, the challenge for you, it's for us to be able to say, okay, God, today. That's why you have to choose God every single day. If you're married, you don't choose to get married on your, married, on, on your wedding day, your married day, on your wedding day. You choose every single day. I'm married today. I'm going to stay married today. I'm going to honor my spouse today. I'm going to prefer my spouse today. Same thing with any relationship that matters to you. When it comes to serving God, you have to choose every single day, God, I choose you today. Why? Because you chose me when you knew that I was not going to choose you today. Because I didn't choose you yesterday, but you still chose me. But today, by your grace, God, I choose you today. I'm going to lean into you today. I'm going to spend time with you today. I'm going to make time for you today. You're going to be my first. You're not going to be my last. You're going to be my primary. You're not going to be my leftover. I'm going to sow into you today. we got to do that every single day. And this isn't some religious striving so that you can be good enough to, it's not about that. It's about allowing your flesh and your whole, your whole self, your, your body, your soul, your spirit to stay in line and in tune with the mission that God has called us to. We are so easily distracted by the things around us. God's trying to get our attention. And I'm telling you, we, uh, I know there's things happening in the church world that don't feel good right now from the outside in. But I'm not ready to say that our church in America is being persecuted. I'm not there. Why? You're like, well, it's relative. I don't know if it is. Because if I were to call up our, our, our brothers and sisters in China and be like, hey, what's up? How's life? They're like, well, um, we, had, we had some more people imprisoned and killed today for their faith. How about you guys? They're like, they're like limiting our gatherings and, you know, and 
making us make weird choices between what we want to do and what we don't want to do. And some people like what we want to do and other people don't like what we don't want to do. And, and, and none of them are coming. Oh, yeah, that's, that's rough. That's rough. So, you know, it's, I have a hard time saying that the church in America is being persecuted right now. Are we facing uh, obstacles? Are we facing challenges? Absolutely. But welcome to the church. Welcome to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will suffer violence, but the violent will take hold of it. That doesn't mean that you get to go punch somebody in the face. But what that does mean is that you need to understand who our enemy really the heck is, and that's the devil. It's the principalities of the powers of darkness. It's not a Republican. It's not a Democrat. It's nobody. It is the devil. And the moment that the church begins to understand who our enemy actually is, we will get to work, and we will begin to do something that impacts the lives of the people who disagree with us, yet they still see that we love them. Let me take a breath for a second. <clears throat> Where do I want to get to? Let's do this. You're going to have homework today. Homework is go read 2 Timothy chapter 2. But I'm going to tell you what I want you to look for in 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is what I want you to look for. These are some of the biggest distractions to God's mission. And actually, one of the biggest solutions as well is found in 2 Timothy Chapter 2, whole chapter, what part? Read the whole thing. It's 26 verses. It'll take you like a minute and a half, uh, maybe longer if you actually kind of let it sink in. And if you're like me and you're underlining, you're highlighting, you're writing down notes. But in 2 Timothy, it lays out these mission-destroying distractions. And I'm going to give you just, um, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll, put them, we'll put them up behind me. And there's verses like connected to each one. You can go back and look at them. Um, yeah, this is one of those churches where I actually want you to think about the Bible during the week and then come back next Sunday ready for more. Um, so here's the first one, disputes over words. I wanted to talk more in detail about this, but I don't think I need to. But I want you to see this and go and look at it for yourself. And this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to his disciple, Timothy, trying to encourage Timothy in his faith and as a leader in the church and how to lead the church where he was pastoring. And it's 100% on par with us today, especially in the culture of our world. Disputes over words. Those are mission-destroying distractions. That's in verse 14. Pointless chatter. Mission-destroying distractions. That's verse 16. Destructive speech. Mission-destroying distractions in verse 17. Youthful lusts. Mission-destroying distractions. That's in verse 22. Foolish and ignorant arguments. Verse 23 is a mission-destroying distraction. Listen, there's, um, God loves his church so much that he's willing to discipline his church when we get off track. And what we are witnessing, and I think we're just barely starting to see it, and what we will be witnessing is a significant course correction in the church. I'm gonna speak specifically to our nation because I don't live in the other countries and what God's doing there, but in our nation, I believe there is a significant course correction coming to the church world. And it has nothing to do with buildings or non-buildings or whatever, it has to do with our heart. It has to do with us being on mission. It has to do with us being Jesus followers and not being people who have our own passions that we're trying to get God to champion. But people who are going to fully surrender, I've been, in my guys group we've been talking about surrender, live fully surrendered before the Lord which means that when, you, when you're fully surrendered, it means you keep going back and checking with God to find out if there's more areas that need to be surrendered. 
It's like, I got saved, and now I never have to think about it again. No, every single day you need to wake up and talk to Jesus about your life. I'm married. Every single day I'm going to wake up and choose my spouse. Uh, God loves me. Every single day I'm going to wake up and build that relationship. <clears throat> it's time. Um, let me be specific about this, and maybe you can come up, because that will help me land this plane. Um, it's time for the church to repent from selfish, uh, selfishness. It's time for the church to repent from divisive opinions. It's time for the church to repent from pursuing passionate convictions that we can't justify through scripture. And it's time for the church to repent from pride. Because what happens is these these particular distractions that you'll see, hopefully you wrote them down, you'll go back during lunch today and you'll read 2 Timothy chapter two. These distractions isolate people from each other. And if we are isolating and separating people and dividing people, then we are destroying the first bullet point of God's mission, which is restoring intimate relationship. The solution does just the opposite. The solution allows relationship to have that intimacy and come together. Even when it's human beings, even when we have moments of disagreement. Because we, we handle relationships so poorly in the church world. So poorly. And it's not just in the church world, it's, it's just a carryover of the way, the broken nature of which we handle relationships in our world. Which is a clear sign that we have not yet submitted ourselves to the Lord in the area of relationship. Because instead of doing what the Bible teaches us to do with relationship when there is the opportunity for brokenness and offense, we put up walls, we, we make judgmental statements, we, um, we separate relationships like that that were meant to be eternal. Um, God wants to change that. And, uh, and it's, not gonna, it's not gonna happen from the outside in. It has to happen from within the church. Because here's the thing, y'all. We were meant to be the example, not the laughingstock. We, we were never meant to be the frustration of our world. We were meant to be the light that shines in the darkness. So much so that as we shine, the darkness that is around us, it, 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 it fails to exist because darkness and light cannot coexist together. You know what's interesting is that darkness doesn't go away, just what was in the darkness becomes illuminated. Darkness never shrinks back and goes to a corner, it just dissolves. And here's something that, yeah, I think this is where, this is where we wanna pray right now. Um, surrender. God is looking for, for men and women, young and old, doesn't matter how young you are and the youthful excuses you may have, or it doesn't matter how old you think you are and how too much time has passed. No, there is no time like the present. And I'm telling you, a church that becomes so on fire for the heart and the mission of God will be a church that a city cannot ignore. And my prayer, not even just for us, but for every church in our region, that we become so on fire and passionate for the presence of God and to be an accurate representation of the kingdom of God here on earth that our region cannot ignore us.
and that nothing that the enemy is trying to do either directly to us or through other means and even other people can stop what God wants to do. Man, but we gotta make some decisions about what mission we're gonna live on. I hope I've painted a picture about the direction that we will go as a church. We're gonna live on mission. Man, it's not gonna be perfect. We're not gonna hit, we're not gonna hit a home run every single time. Me personally, I might swing and miss a couple of times, but it's not gonna be because I'm just letting the ball go by, it's because I'm swinging hard. Like when, as we lead this church, that's our heart, is at the end of the day, we're gonna do everything that we can possibly do to stay on mission for why God has called us, why he's put us here, and why he's even put these same people in a room together. No other context would any of us have any business doing life together. Unless your family was somebody, then you didn't have a choice. But for the rest of us, come on, how crazy is the church? God brings people of different uh, backgrounds, different ethnicities, different colors, different cultures, different economic status, different education, different upbringing, different brokenness, and brings us together. And when we come together, I, you can just hear the Father. He's like, check it out. Look what I did. Look at, these, look at this group of people. Everyone's looking in like, oh, you did that on purpose? And he's like, yeah, just watch. Just watch what happens. I don't know what to do next. Can you bow your heads? I wonder today um, who's willing to pray crazy and dangerous prayers. I'm talking the type of prayers that when you pray them, you don't even know the full impact of what it is that you're saying but inside your spirit, you're willing to be okay with what that means to God. And I'll take you back to one of those moments for me, and I've, I've said it before multiple different times, but it was back in, I think, 2010 or 2011. And we were pastoring, Karen and I were pastoring a church in Montana. And, um, and I, was, I was growing increasingly frustrated with people and this worship song came out at that time called Hosanna. Beautiful song, powerful song, still is. And there was a, a line that, um, that the author wrote, I think, in, in the bridge of that song. And it said, um, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I began to sing it, I began to sing it, and then I did a really dumb thing. And I begin to pray it. And I begin to ask God, would you break my heart for what breaks your heart? You know there's things that break God's heart? You know when God looks at what's going on in the world around us, these are people that he loves. Man, it breaks his heart. And the more I begin to pray that, the less I was able to pray, and the more I just cry. Because I knew that God was giving me a fraction of his heart for the target of his mission. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. 
special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.